Hello and welcome to the Oregon Wine History Archive podcast. The Oregon Wine History Archive is located at Linfield University in McMinnville, Oregon, and is dedicated to preserving and sharing the Oregon wine story. This podcast shares these stories through oral history interviews we've conducted throughout the industry. Please enjoy today's episode. All right, my name is Rich Schmidt. I'm here with Mike Anderson. We're at Cafe Dewberry in Portland. Uh, it's January 8th, 2021. Mike, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, first question, we're gonna change it up a little bit. Uh, why food, why restaurants? Um, well, when I grew up, I uh, had a very um, uh, loving life of every day was like perfect. And when I um, finally moved away from home at the age of like, 20. I mean, it was wonderful. Everyone wants to get out of their house, you know, where they grew up. And, uh, and I noticed after a while there was something missing. And I just, you know, it took me about a year to figure out it was the food that my mother made. So uh, it really, it, it took me a while, but I just got back into it because it made me feel good, you know, to cook for myself like I had done and she had done for me, but I didn't realize that that was happening, uh, you know, during my, you know, zero to like <laughs> 19 or 20 years, right? So once you realized it, what did you do? I, I, I just, I started, um, um, and I had always cooked for myself, or other people, but I just didn't was realizing that that's what I was doing, mm -hmm. and um, so then I, I actually I kind of like um, started cooking um, Chinese food, and and I did it for my own health because I realized that you know cooking homegrown food was you know important, mm -hmm. and it immediately you know made me feel good. Mm -hmm. And so, and from there it went to, you know, serving your friends and, um, you know, all your, you know, when you're only 20 years old, you have a lot of people hanging on with you and you're hanging on with them and you're, you know, um, having, you know, fun parties and, you know, uh, it was about the food and, you know, relationships and just being with, you know, each other, just, so I was trying to actually make my childhood go further. <laughs> uh, how, what, did you, what did you need to learn? Uh, for, for, what did you already know about cooking? What did you need to learn about cooking? Well, I had no you know, formal things other than what my, uh, my mother had cooked for me. And we, I was born on a farm and we had cows, horses, uh, sheep, uh, chickens, and, uh, you know, and pastures and, you know, trees and uh, gardens. And I mean, the garden was, you know, huge. And then I had berry fields surrounding my property. Um, you know, so I would like, as I grow older, and we actually had a, a, a hundred year old orchard in my front yard, because it was used to be a, a century farm. It was a century farm it is now. But when we, my parents purchased it, we had this, you know, orchard and then next door there were, you know, berry fields. So as I grew up, I learned to like, you know, take care of the garden because that's what your mother makes you do. 
And then I go and my neighbors, you know, everyone hires the kids next door to do. So I, you know, do the hay, you know, I put up the berries, I go do, you know, filbert orchards, you know, run tractors. Um, and it was awesome. Yeah. And fish. I go fishing out my, uh, you know, I'd walk like, you know, a football field and I could fish in a creek. You know, I'd walk a couple football fields and I could fish in a pond. It was, it was fantastic, you know. You know, catch, uh, you know, bullfrogs and, you know, my mother, you know, cooked them for me a couple times and after that I cooked them myself. But I don't remember cooking until I thought back on it, you know, that I actually was doing that. So that's kind of how I got into the, into the, um, the cooking thing. So with no formalized training then, um, how did you learn new styles or new, new types of cuisine? Well, I, um, I met a person who taught me about, um, he was a French chef. Mm -hmm. And he, uh, he showed me how, and it was no formal training, wasn't in a restaurant, he just showed me how to make a soup, how to make a pastry, how to make a sauce, few dishes, and he kind of like pushed the door open for me and then I just went, went with it, you know, it was, took me over. So I, and then, um, like I said, then it led to like Chinese cooking and I used to do Chinese banquets and make everything from scratch and then I, uh, Got uh, he got me a job in a Japanese restaurant. It was called Bush Garden, and it had been around since like the early '60s. And then um, he says, you know, there's no French restaurant in this city, but Japanese is as close as you can get to the, you know, the feeling of, you know, really good cooking. So I worked there. I worked in Japanese restaurants for probably five or six years. Yeah. What were your biggest sort of takeaways from that time and working in restaurant? Um, I loved it, but you know, and I had always worked like two jobs my whole life, but you know, I'd go work and I'd work for, you know, 18, 19 hours a day and I loved it. I could hardly wait to wake up and get back into the door. You know, even though it wasn't my own place, I still had the passion for it, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And as you, as you were sort of embarking on a, on a career in, in food preparation and in cooking, uh, were there any things you learned there? Were there any kind of lessons you took from there and that you brought with you to the next step? Um, what kind of got me interested overall was, you know, everyone wants to know the secret of life and you know, how to get ahead without working for it. <laughs> but um, my mentor told me, he says, you know, if you wanna learn about life in a hurry, just go to work in a restaurant. <laughs> it kind of will like show you something, you know, like magnified. And that it really, you know, I, I took hold of that. And I actually believed, you know, not even having any, I didn't even wash dishes in a restaurant until I was like 23 years old. Mm -hmm. I left a good job and I went and I started in a restaurant and I washed dishes. And I left a good job, so.
but it's still like I loved it, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you talk about the, the, the kind of the accelerated magnifying prospect of working in a restaurant and, and learning lessons. So uh, were there any particular moments that stand out to you, any stories from early days or, or lessons you learned, either the good way or the hard way? Well, I mean, I had a, a family, my, my wife and my children, you know, I had like, I married into like four kids, right? And my wife said, well, we should have a restaurant of our own other than working in one and I said okay I don't know how to do one but we did it she says at least we can eat and we won't starve so that's kind of how that happened you know and then you know you, you you just never give up and it just you know it's like everything in life everything is not easy but you know I I loved uh, cooking and I loved my family and I was going to persevere. Mm -hmm. Yeah, never gave up. So tell me about starting this place, about what kind of food and, and location and all of that and getting started. Well, I, I was trained in uh, French cooking and also, you know, Japanese. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I had, you know, a lot of uh, oriental cooking in my background just from my own interest. And, and so then I bought, uh, my wife and I purchased uh, a Café du Berry, and he was a Frenchman who lived um, in a province in France called Berry, and so I bought his restaurant and his legacy, which was, you know, not very long as far as, you know, this restaurant being here, but, you know, I just kind of like dove into the waters of a French restaurant, and uh, that's what I was interested in. As you, uh, as you got started, what were the biggest challenges once you took over? Uh, the biggest challenges was, <laughs> was um, not knowing what's ahead of you when you wake up in the morning. I mean, you know, since I was not raised in a restaurant, I had no idea what's going on. I did not know like how to like manage my money as far as in a restaurant goes. Um, all I know is that I had you know uh, my wife behind me and uh, and I still have a daughter that's cooking here. Uh, she started the restaurant with me you know 38 years ago and uh, I'm, all I know is that they supported what we were doing because this was their farm this was their this was our you know our house and we all like work together to make it happen mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. and we are still doing that very very rewarding mm -hmm. so at what point does wine start to play a role in your life uh well <sighs> Well, of course, when I opened the restaurant, it was 1984, and and uh, maybe after uh, a couple of years, and I'm beginning to see some um, uh, uh, people come through that were very interested in wine, just not the people selling wine, but people who, you know, enjoyed wine, and and most of it was the Oregon wine. So it was back in like the middle 80s, and I I was. Um, I was um, put in front of all of these wonderful Oregon wines 
that I probably did not appreciate, you know, what it was until, you know, as time went on. So I'm curious your, your first impressions of Oregon wine then, if you can remember, or of the people involved. Well, I think it was, a, it was more of a people that were uh, um, connoisseurs of wine, not the people selling me the mm -hmm. wine. Mm -hmm. They were the one that got me interested. And of course, all of the, you know, the people who imported wine, since I'm a French restaurant, they, um, you know, were, uh, you know, very interested in more of, you know, European wines. And, but I was very much, you know, enthralled with an input with like the best wine in the world. Mm -hmm. And um, as time went on, I, I just got more interested in the Oregon wine mm -hmm. because, you know, maybe I'm a slow learner. <laughs> so, uh, but you know, Anything that's done well, you know, in this world is worth trying, you know, and, you know, so we have to give kudos to the whole world as, you know, being a part of it. But, you know, as of in this last, like, 10 years, I have never appreciated anything more than what we have, you know, at our doorstep here. Mm -hmm. So tell me about when, in 1984, you, you, when, you, when you take over, um, what does the restaurant menu, everything look like, and how has it evolved since? Well, I, when I bought the restaurant, I did not take anything from the previous owner's menu, because it was not my menu. And I'm not French, right? So I, you know, even though I liked everything he did, I, I had to do my own food. And I haven't changed anything since that day. I just tried to make it better, right? Yeah. So I, I was kind of, I'm kind of a stick in the mud. <laughs> Seems to be working for you so far. <laughs> well, you know, it, like, I always refer to my mentor, but he says, you know, never be a. Uh, uh, a novelty. It's just, just stick with, you know, what you got, you know. And, you know, almost, you know, going close to 40 years now, I can see what he's talking about. So once you, once you got sort of developed an interest in wine, how did you integrate it into what you were already doing? Um, well, always your wine representatives uh, would try to get you involved in it. Um, and the wine industry had changed so much when I started that um, um, basically there were not a lot of like Oregon representation because they weren't being represent they weren't being recognized by you know the wholesalers and so I kind of like went you know I was like more into like selling uh, the um, the European wines, and um, and then uh, as it, time went on, I realized that it's kind of a dead end. You know, it's, something was missing. And within the last, like you know, you know, five or six years, 
uh, I started to realize, you know, um, the wines here in Oregon are some of the best in the world. And I was, you know, naive, I guess, to that, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But uh, now that I have rediscovered, you know, essentials, <laughs> I am just like been turned around and, you know, I am just, and I, of course, you know, I'm, I'm a native, you know, Oregonian. And I, you know, I love to represent, you know, our state. Mm -hmm. And it's been very um, satisfying, self-satisfying to, to do that. Mm -hmm. So it's always been like re I'm rejuvenated in life. So with wines for your menu, how do you sort of choose things that fit with your food? And how do you sort of envision them as pairings? Well, I um, basically do not actually care about pairing a wine. In my own belief, I would just like to go to a restaurant. It doesn't have to be, of course, my restaurant. And I will look at the wine menu. I says, I want to drink a red wine or I want to drink a white wine. What do I feel like? I don't care what food I'm eating. I don't really think that's important. I think, you know, you have to treat, treat them both equally. You know, what you want to eat and what you want to drink. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I've always felt that way. But I definitely know how to pair food and wine, but that's not, I, I think people these days care more about, you know, each one being separate. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. So then what do you look for for a wine on your wine list? Uh, I, um, I look for a representative that can show me the right direction, mm -hmm. right? Because um, I am not a wine expert. Um, I think I have good taste. I, th I have drank a lot of finest wines in the world, but I do, you know, um, it's all about representation of a vineyard and an area. And in, you know, recent, you know, years, I've gotten to know some people from, you know, families that own vineyards and, you know, it's, they're just like a, a restaurant. They're all a bunch of families, you know, and children and grandchildren and parents that represent it. it it's it like makes me feel like, oh, they're doing the same thing I've been doing, mm -hmm. right? So tell me about the, the, the growth of the business then. You, you haven't changed a whole lot in terms of menu, but what has changed in the years you've been here and, and how have you sort of grown and thrived? Um, well, restaurant business is, is very um, difficult um, in a way of like every, every, every moment's a new challenge. It's like, uh, you know, customers are um, always changing and of course you have a lot of repeat customers, but I mean, it's like, a, it's like uh, if you were an artist and you were to make a sculpture for every customer that came in and that was their food. That is what you do, right? And you know, if you're an artist, you always want to be the best at it. And so, <laughs> um, as 
as, as you go through this period of like being just, you know, in a restaurant and a business for so long, you know, you have a passion to continue. And what has actually sustained my last few years is the Oregon wine has really captured me. And, you know, I'm, I'm so happy it happened because it was a part that was missing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I was just so busy in what I was doing, I didn't realize, you know, there were some missing parts there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, Oregon wine in particular, is there something, what's special to you about Oregon, Oregon wine? Pardon me? <laughs> Sorry. What is, what is special to you about Oregon wine? Um, the passion of the people who make it. Their love and their care is the same as what I'm trying to do. Mm -hmm. And until I met those people, I never had time to do that because I was so much, you know, in my place, in my restaurant, I could never get out into the field and actually see what was going on. Mm -hmm. And when I did, I realized they were just like me, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we saw an interesting story about you and, and some and the and the Trailblazers over the years. I'm I'm curious about the the relationships with the team that and how that how that got started. Huh. Well, that started in the late '80s, and um, and all the way you know till probably 15 years ago. I mean, we're still associated with them, but you know, it was more um, uh, uh, players from like the 90s, you know, like Clyde, Clyde Drexler and Terry Porter and um, um, I mean, I had so many famous people through this place um, and I, you know, followed, you know, basketball my whole life, you know, um, uh, I mean, they were so passionate it, it, it was almost like Cafe du Berry was their home. Mm -hmm. I would have uh, teams come here from other states, the whole team, the whole plane. There'd be like 45 of them. And they would like make a reservation like three weeks ahead and pre-plan their menu. And they'd come in, you know, and um, because they all were like, they're a team as um, like, like if you were a staff in my restaurant, we're all, you know, mm -hmm. and they all know each other in the whole league, right? And, you know, so I, I, I get people from, from every team, you know, it was very special. Yeah, and they just loved us because we were comfort to them. You know, someone would recommend them, you know, um, and probably the, you know, the most influential uh, basketball person of all time was Bill Russell. And he was a very good customer. Um, I mean, he's up in his age and is like, you know, over, you know, he's over in his like middle, late 80s and he can't get around, but he was the most. Mm -hmm. And he was like a god to me when I was a kid. I mean, you know. He had, I read his books, I did everything, and 
Um, I had a lot of special players here, but they were, they made us feel like family. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, they, we welcomed their, their love. Mm -hmm. uh, Do you know how it got started? Do you know how they found you in the first place? Well, it got started with the trailblazer doctor, uh, Bob Cook. And he started the trailblazer doctor probably 1969. And actually, I used to go to the uh, Trailblazers games because like, I used to work at the Memorial Coliseum. And so I would see all the Trailblazers in the begin the, from the game one all the way. And uh, so Dr. Cook, he was the, the, um, the doctor of the team. Mm -hmm. And um, so he would bring all of his, you know, his friends here which were all players, and he'd say, here, try Caffey Dewberry, right? And, um, and he was, pre pre -pro he promoted my place, <laughs> right? It was, it was very good. It's amazing how much love goes through. You know, it's like you're going on a camping trip 365 days a year. So I'm, curi I'm curious, with uh, especially like Bill Russell, and it's someone who you looked up to so so much as as a child, has to be a little intimidating making him food when he comes into your restaurant. Oh, it, you know, and I didn't even know it was him until I heard his laugh <laughs> from the dining room. Is a very, you know, he's he was he's been around since the 50s, and uh, I heard him laugh, and he was with my friend Clyde Drexler, but Clyde never introduced him to me. You know, and I was busy, and I hear this laugh coming out of the dining room. I'm going, I know that laugh. <laughs> and uh, oh my gosh, yes, it was like, I mean, he's 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 a legend in the world, just not in basketball, but just in you know, diplomacy and you know, uh, equality in life. You know, he's yes. It was, his, it was a great um, person to meet. Mm -hmm. As you sort of look back uh, on, on time here, are there other sort of stories like that or connections you've made here that, that stand out in your mind? People you've met through this or, or been able to help through this that stand out to you? Uh, I would say it would be more like my regular customers. I've had... Uh, people here come in here for like 38 years. I have, um, you know, people who were engaged here. I have people who then they had their kids and then those kids got married and then those kids have kids, you know, children and they still eat here, mm -hmm. you know, and it's kind of carried over uh, with uh, family traditions. So obviously, uh, coming off of 2020, a rough year for everyone, especially restaurants. So tell me about uh, last spring, uh, COVID coming out. Uh, what was your initial reaction and, and what, were the, what were the changes you had to make to, to keep things going? Well, initial reaction was I was very, like, devastated, of course. And I had already gone through so many, like, hardships in my restaurant. 
I mean, I, I went through like, you know, there was like the Black Friday of the, you know, market, or the, um, uh, uh, like 1986 stock market and then um, you know many like um, economy was not good <laughs> and then 9-11 right I mean that was like I went down to the bottom again I mean everyone did right but we just managed to stay hang in there and then then there was the um, the uh, housing mm -hmm. market and you know, 2008-9, I mean, then it, they pulled, it, the rug was pulled out of, you know, everyone again. Mm -hmm. Just not me, everyone. Mm -hmm. So and so finally, you know, when this happened, the uh, COVID, I told my son, I says, you know what? I don't know if I can do this anymore. I, I know we can make it, but I don't know if I have the energy to do it. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I want to do this again. And so he said, I'll do it. I said, okay, do it. <laughs> so he kind of like, he took over what I had already been doing. And, you know, he now works the hours I did, you know, for 35 years. You had talked earlier about it, about it being a family business. So uh, I'm curious about what point did your family start start in with it, and and with that kind of handoff, how did that sort of transition go for you? Uh, well, it was more like a family business. Is like, of course, all you know, my children and stuff, you know, all had a part in this business, but I also have a I have a lineage of um, other people who had work here in families. Like like I've had uh, my Vietnamese friends, I've known since like the early '90s. They all work with me here, and it's still going on today. Like, and the same as Peruvian. I had the same type of family thing going on. And so I've always had, it's been a family, like, you know, not blood, but like friendship, mm -hmm. you know, and we need each other, and we're gonna support each other. And, and if someone can't come to work, they'll call their cousin. <laughs> Right? Just like me, you know, my, some of my kids couldn't come, they, they would find another, I would, they would find one of their brothers or sisters to come to work. So the family and just the unity is like very important. Mm -hmm. I couldn't have made it that far without them. Mm -hmm. I mean, personally, I mean, I can't do this by yourself. Mm -hmm. So then after the sort of the transition last year where your son taking over some of that, what were the changes that were implemented to keep Cafe DuBerry going during the pandemic? Um, it, it really wasn't any different than uh, starting a restaurant. You just had to keep the, um, the, uh, the continuity of what you've done. Just keep pushing forward and it will come out. And you know we've had to do a few things, um, but it wasn't. It was, it's more like just unity and hope. You know, and it'll all work out. So uh, one of the things you you did with 
with like food to go was also sort of a wine wine to go or kind of a wine marketplace. How did you know how that came about? Um, um, well, the food to go was you know you had to do it, and we were never exactly focused into food to go. It was more like we're hands on here, and it like you know increased you know significantly the food to go and. And then I realized that, you know, we need to um, sell uh, Oregon product and, uh, you know, combine, um, you know, the feelings of um, our local people, you know, because we all wanted to get, be comforted during the COVID. I mean, nothing more comforting, covered, uh, uh, comforting than to you know, drink and eat local food. So at, at that point, um, I tried to, um, with help, um, you know, um, invite you know more local wines, mm -hmm. and uh, then I started visiting all the vineyards and meeting the people. And I realized that we're a big family. And now they are supporting me as much as I've been supporting them. But that was kind of a transition thing and I didn't realize, you know, until COVID. So now that you're, now that the roles have changed a little bit for you, tell me about the future for Cafe Dubarry. What, what, what comes next here? Um, well, we just keep going forward with um, with um, our traditional uh, what we've been, you know, trying to do, and and uh, like I say, my family, my son and my daughter work here, my grandson, um, and I also have another son who's an executive chef in uh, Colorado, and we just try to keep. Um, staying positive and we don't plan to change uh, anything other than striving to go forward. I mean, you know, I mean, we're going from an old man here, you know, and they all have children, right? So they want their, like, lineage to go on. They want to make sure that, you know, their family's taken care of, you know, and we just um, try to stick together and, um, What about for you personally? What, what's, what's in your future? I will work as long as I can, because I enjoy it. You know, physically, you start to break down a little bit. Um, you know, your, the hands and stuff can't hold on to stuff as well. But I'm as much interested as I was, you know, 45 years ago as I am now. And beyond the work, I know uh, you mentioned being able to get into wine country now a little bit, being able to enjoy wine as a, as a consumer a bit. Uh, what are your plans with that going forward? Uh, I'm just going to let it lead me to where I'm going. But now that I live in wine country, uh, it's so accessible. And I always, you know, want to get closer to it. Because in my whole career here, being in the, my restaurant, I was never able to get out into it. And that has been, you know, a new avenue for me. 
I mean, that's why I appreciate life more now is, be, you know, in this industry because of the, um, the relationship between uh, the vineyards and the restaurants, you know, and the local foods. Um, and the weather. <laughs> uh, so as you look ahead for Oregon wine uh, as an industry, um, what do you kind of foresee as you look ahead? What, what are you hoping for? And is there anything that you're afraid of? I'm afraid of nothing for it. I um, support it uh, more and more every day. And I'm not just saying that. I really do feel it. Um, I think it's, it's uh, you know, it is going to lead our state into a recognition of like um, uh, solidarity as far as being, you know, a state mm -hmm. like we've always been. And um, in, in this industry here, I mean, it can't be more important than that. So I, I'm, I fully support it. and. It, I will always support it. With the relationship between wines and restaurants and how, how you've seen that grown and how it's grown for you, um, how do you foresee Oregon wine, Oregon lo local, local foods, local wines and, and Oregon restaurants growing? Well, I think they're all in equal um, portions there. Um, you know, you can have wine and you can have, you know, local food and you can have a restaurant, but if you don't put them all together, it uh, doesn't, uh, you know, doesn't do a lot. You have to combine, I mean, everyone in, in this day and age are concerned about, you know, what goes on next door, not what goes on in another country. Um, and like I'm saying, until, you know, as life goes on in my world, I realize how, you know, close uh, we are to being together as a community mm -hmm. and that we, uh, that we should share it. And it really has a lot to do with our uh, spirit, you know, our local spirit. Right. That's all the questions that I have for you, Mike. Is there anything I didn't ask that I should have? Anything we no, didn't cover fine. here? Perfect. <laughs> like it. Easy to please. Thank you so much for your time, for your hospitality today. It's been a wonderful day here. We really appreciate that. Thanks for sharing your stories with us, and uh, we'll let you off the hook. Thank you for joining us for this edition of the Oregon Wine History Archive podcast. And thank you to all our supporters, partners, donors, and interviewees who have helped make our project a success. Be sure to check out our website at OregonWineHistoryArchive.org for more interviews, photographs, wine labels, and more. And stay tuned for more interviews as we tell the story of Oregon wine. The Oregon Wine History Archive podcast is brought to you from the Oregon Wine History Archive at Linfield University, with a very special thank you to all the Linfield Archive students who have contributed to these oral history interviews over the years.